everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is a retrospective look across the autism spectrum. I am your host, Kelly Birmingham. I have a 25 plus year career in the field of helping adults and children on the autism spectrum and with developmental disabilities. And usually I have my um, partner in crime, Jen Lucero, mom to Dylan and Ethan with me today. But because she's with Special Olympics, she's hosting an event this week because they are finally able to start kicking off and getting back together and participation. So she has big events going on. So I'm gonna continue our talk on puberty and sexuality on the autism spectrum because it's been fun and I'm deep in the weeds with this topic this this month and I'm having a great time, I must say. So, um, you know, we spent some time talking a little bit about this on our previous two podcasts. We had um, Barbie, mom to Sam, whose son is in the throes of autism and puberty and his puberty resulted in an increase in aggression um, you heard her talk about the use of um, grabbing specific type of metal objects to press against his penis and um, trying to experiment with that. She is a mom raising a boy, which is not uncommon for us to experience. So, um, and then Jen and I talked a little bit about, you know, um, Dylan. Dylan, actually, her son has, um, has late onset puberty and didn't really develop signs of puberty until he was um, 17 or 18. Um, and has now sort of discovered his penis and I'm trying to figure out how to use it. And again, there's another mom trying to teach her son what to do. So, you know, I, I, I personally have dealt with this many, many times across my career. Um, when I was in Boston in the 1990s, I oversaw group homes, our deaf and behavioral programs. I got the pleasure of working with Dr. Russell McGuire in um, at those homes, who's now um, professor at Simmons College in the ABA program. And um, we used to teach our adults with developmental disability safe sex. Um, I was young, I was energetic, and I was excited to be a part of that. Um, and the adults responded really, really well because they wanted to have sex, um, particularly the Down syndrome population from my experience. It's just my experience. Um, I helped a couple of uh, two adults with Down syndrome marry. Um, and I helped another couple uh, date and move in together. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's an important topic that some people are addressing full on and some are not. Um, and it starts with puberty. So, you know, here's some research I've been finding in that one of the things that happens is autistic children and teenagers need extra time and support to prepare first for puberty. And that puberty specifically refers to the physical changes in the body that make a person able to be sexually reproductive. And that those are physical changes. But at the same time, we all know with puberty comes hormonal changes as well as social emotional changes. And so in the research that I have found, um, Puberty may arrive early for autistic girls. There was a study I found um, that was done and they, the only correlation they could find was a higher body mass index was associated with advanced puberty for girls. And that usually meant that puberty started nine and a half months earlier for a girl on the autism spectrum than um, a neurotypical developing girl. So that makes me think, okay, 
And for boys, puberty ranges are anywhere from 19 to 15 on the autism spectrum. So we know that the body's changing, but the, the social emotional experience of that, we already know children on the autism spectrum are often delayed socially and emotionally. So now you add hormones and now you add the physical changes in the body and that um, makes for a heck of a time for parents. And, and so I've kind of, you know, I referred to sort of a task analysis in, in functional analysis in my last podcast. And I'm going to dive deeper into what I mean by that. And so as a behavior analyst, I, I, I'm pragmatic. I task analyze everything, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I sort of am taking this into some... Um, three different categories. And one for puberty are body changes. So we that is how the body actually is changing and the parts and the functions of those changes. I have two books I've used forever and they still hold true today for me um, when I'm addressing this. Um, I can tell you when I was at UCI, uh, School of Med Pediatrics in um, part of the Center for Autism and Neurodevelopment, um, it's called CANS. We developed actually puberty classes for uh, girls on the autism spectrum and boys on the autism spectrum, and their parents were required to attend. It was a five-week class that we ran. We ran probably six sets of those classes. They were free because of a grant we received, and we were able to write a blog about this on Autism Speaks website under under their blog and ATN section where um, those that are part of their autism treatment network, which is one of their center of excellences, participate on what's going on. And so we did in fact borrow from and adapt from the Autism Speaks puberty toolkit. There was a wonderful puberty, puberty toolkit. And we took that toolkit and we broke it down into weeks for the kids that we were teaching puberty on. So we sort of developed a puberty checklist um, and worked our way through all of the actual part changes and the supporting needs that go with those body changes. And then what comes inevitably um, intertwined with these body changes in puberty is hygiene. So the body changes, the actual physical changes and hygiene become very intertwined. So I'm going to start there. So I'm going to tell you our puberty checklist looks like this. Um, we have a check. Are there, is hair developed under the arms? And if so, is that a problem that needs support or does not need support? Are there hair in the pubic areas? Is that a, an area that needs support from your ABA therapist and parent or does not need support? And by support, this might mean intertwined with hygiene, cleanliness, um, management of the pubic hair, um, as well as if any shaving or trimming is going to be involved. So going through our checklist, we look at hair on face, hair on chest or legs. Then we look at body odor along with armpits and that an overall um, perspira perspiration. Greasy hair, we know that the hormone changes often bring about greasier hair, um, which le also leads to acne. Um, are there, is there bad breath associated with uh, puberty? And um, is there breast growth associated with puberty? And does that need to now start to be maintained through either exercise or and or having to wear a bra? 
Um, going on in our puberty checklist, we have testicle and penis growth that we know happens. And trust me, I ask my husband lots. <laughs> I don't have those parts, but I ask my husband lots of questions and I've read a lot about it. Um, the nocturnal emission signs, uh, menstruation signs, signs of masturbation, which you heard both Jen and Barbie on our podcast talk about the signs of masturbation, as well as the use of uh, masturbation public and private, as well as the ability to masturbate to completion or to a manner that feels comfortable to the person. And I say that because I've worked with a lot of adolescents and adults um, that maybe are more impacted and have seen significant aggression or, and frustration over not being able to masturbate to successful completion or to a um, comfortable, happy feeling for that person. So that I say public and private masturbation, but I also mean um, satisfaction with masturbation. Um, then we also have touching of others and understanding that, and then saying no to others touching you. So that's um, what we do is um, we go through that checklist and we, um, when we're teaching, we determine if there needs to be accommodations, modifications, um, and how we can best support that child and that parent through this process. So the hygiene ones are easier, right? <laughs> so, you know, if it's um, hair, the hair can maybe be left alone, or maybe it needs to just be cleaned, or maybe it needs to be trimmed. Um, so it lends itself to overall hygiene. Is the ch child shaving, using deodorant, washing, combing hair, washing their face, brushing their teeth, right? Those are the easier ones to tackle. So those are the parts and functions of the body as well as their hygiene. Um, then we get into some of the other components about um, sexuality. Um, and we'll start with self-sexuality and masturbation, which is common in adolescence and puberty. And um, the, the thought of public versus private in the actual teaching of masturbation. So let me, um, let me talk a little bit, just a little bit about sexuality. Um, you know, we need to talk about sexuality and I'm gonna talk a little bit about um, the masturbation teaching component and some experiences I've had. Then I'm gonna get into sort of the sex part. Um, so let me just talk about uh, teaching, you know, menstruation, first of all, let's talk about menstruation. There are lots of books that can help with that. There are um, opportunities for moms or sisters or other um, caregivers that could model alongside and or video model. I, I had some great some success with a mom who video modeled her experience and the daughter would watch that and copy it. Um, lots of things such as schedules, um, scheduling, uh, changing of a pad, token systems for keeping a pad clean. There are a lot of antecedent type of strategies, which are sort of our accommodation modifications and consequence strategies, which include sort of um, reinforcement for successful management of menstruation. Um, and hygiene that uh, an ABA therapist is certainly in the scope of practice and able to help parents with all of these things. So when I look at this puberty checklist I have in my head, I think this is antecedent strategies and or consequence-based strategies that as therapists, we are, it is perfectly in our scope to help uh, parents in these areas. But when we get to masturbation, all right, let's go to nocturnal emissions. Usually whoever's changing the sheets <laughs> um, in the bed 
notice when that happens. We heard both the moms on our podcast previously talk about that. And so that's a sign that something's happening in the night. So then you need to start to either look for signs of masturbation to completion um, or ask or talk about it. And, you know, it is important for both, um, for all, all genders to feel satisfied with that successful completion. Um, and so there are um, websites, there are social stories on YouTube, you can find things. Um, I will tell you in my personal experience, I've often worked with dads if they're, or male caregivers around um, working with their sons regarding masturbation. <laughs> there was one time a dad I worked with and he was so uncomfortable with this topic. His wife planned his favorite dinner, poured him a nice glass of wine, and I sat down with the two of them and then we just talked. And I, we basically said, you have the parts. <laughs> we don't have the parts. <laughs> you know how to do this. Um, you are going to have to find a way that's comfortable for you to talk about it or model it with your son. It also leads to the topic of sort of pornography. Um, you know, I, I'm making a generalization now, but in my career, I've had a number, number, lots high numbers of males that I've worked with who have asked me questions about masturbation, um, have come out um, in different forms in their sexuality and asking me questions and also shared um, their interest and like for pornography. So, you know, it's real, they're finding it probably. And so what's, you know, and people have different reactions about pornography. Um, a lot of the kids that I've worked with personally prefer the animated kind of pornography. It has exaggerated body parts. Um, it takes some of the personal, personal part out of it. Um, is my experience from what they've shared. And so pornography may play a role in this if we need to, but we, um, we do need to make sure that this is something that our adolescents are doing and adults are doing safely. Um, you know, it makes me think of a story again in the group homes. I, I worked in a home and there was a man in his forties and he liked to masturbate in his fecal fecal matter in his poop. <laughs> and he was doing it in the bathroom and making a mess, or he was sneaking the fecal matter, the poop into his bedroom and making a mess there. Um, and, at, you know, at first there were programs in place to punish him for doing this, uh, prohibit him from doing this. And what we ended up landing on, and I felt so much better about this, was that he could continue that act. He would schedule time in the bathroom. He would do it in the tub. And then we set up a teaching plan for him to sanitize the tub when he was finished. And he did it. The process took about an hour and a half, um, but he did it. And I once took him and a couple of males to Florida. I was in Boston to Disney World. And we rented um, a condominium for them that specifically had a tub and shower because this man, it was part of his nighttime routine and he did it there safely um, and very cleanly. So, you know, it is one of those things that we have to think about. Um, I also know a young man who was hurting himself trying to masturbate. Um, he didn't know where to put his penis. He didn't know um, 
what would be safe or not safe. And he was getting cuts and tears in his penis. And again, it was a mom raising a son. Um, but we were able to find a male cousin who helped talk, show, and model these kinds of things. So um, I personally think that this topic of about self-sex and self-masturbation, especially in women, um, it, you know, that's kind of a secret. A lot of women don't talk about it, um, but it is important to make sure that there is some safety and satisfaction in the experience. Um, I'm going to share my top three books with you right now. Um, my favorite, um, and these two address puberty. Um, and in the puberty uh, uh, topic, they also include hygiene. So my favorite for girls is the American Girl book called The Care and Keeping of You, The Body Book for Girls. That is my absolute favorite. And there is a boy book. It's called Guy Stuff, The Body Book for Boys. Um, both of these, that, that one is by Dr. Karen Natterson. They're both on Amazon. And then I'm going to share my third favorite book is called Taking Care of Myself, a healthy hygiene, puberty, and personal curriculum for young people with autism and developmental disabilities by Mary Rorble. And I will tell you, this is a book and she does address the concept of masturbation. And she also wants something that I've always found super helpful is the scheduling of masturbation time and um, setting up a private routine. And I, and so she addresses both female and male masturbation and the private of this and establishing the schedule, which to me, I don't know, I'm married and we schedule our time too. So <laughs> made sense to me. <laughs> so, you know, once we get to that point, then we need to start talking about sex, the actual sex part. Now, as I mentioned, I have taught safe sex. Um, I've had a number of young folks that I've worked with come out to me um, in various sexual manners. And I thought I'd talk about this article I, that came out just a few months ago in um, Spectrum News. And it was based on a study um, from the University of Cambridge, United Kingdom. And it was about gender diversity. And so I'll tell you that they call, they describe gender diversity as an umbrella term to describe people whose gender identities, such as transgender, non-binary non or genderqueer, um, um, that they describe themselves that way that may not match the sex with what they were born with. Um, and then in this study, um, they surveyed oh, almost 700,000 um, autistic folks. And that they found is that autistic people are more likely than neurotypical people to be gender diverse. And that gender diverse people are more likely to have autism. Now that does not mean, and I've, I've read some articles about that, that if you are, um, if you identify in this gender diversity category that you're autistic, but what they did find were very similar um, categories around um, empathy um, and sensory processing experiences in this. And then the ever famous um, Simon Baron Cohen um, researcher in um, the United Kingdom basically said, that based on these findings that clinicians and practitioners in the field need to be aware of this association and factor in supporting a person largely due to the mental health aspect. So let's go back to that. So we already know that as our um, adolescents on the autism spectrum are going through puberty, their social development is often several years, if not more younger than their physical development. 
then you add in the, the factor and the mental health factors around the way the world might um, approach their gender diversity feeling, that's going to cause additional level of stress, I would imagine. Um, and that the, what I, my takeaways from that is to one, we need to be teaching um, all of our adults, one, safe sex, and two, managing the social emotional aspects of relationships. So to me, safe sex is birth control. It is birth control and condoms, regardless of who you're having sex with. Um, we, um, unintended pregnancies are not a great idea. And STD trans transmission is not a great idea. So birth control and safe sex around condom use, to me, feels super important. Um, so then let's go back to some of these gender diversity issues. Um, I, I know I, I can talk a little about personally about um, someone in my life that I know who is on the autism spectrum and early on began dating in her early um, 20s, went on dating websites and began dating. Um, she Skyped. She was, um, did have men convince her to masturbate in front of them all, all via the computer um, while she was in the tub. And I sort of accidentally found out about it, but when talking with her about it, um, she enjoyed it. She enjoyed it very much. She said it made her body feel really good and could describe to me the tingling ways that it made her body feel. And she told me she liked it better because she didn't like her body to be touched by other people. And so we know sensory issues and sex for those on the autism spectrum play a factor. Um, I've heard uh, Dr. Stephen Shore talk about this probably 20 years ago. Um, and so in that, uh, we spent time just talking about the safetyness of this is a person you only know over the internet and what kind of information you could share or not share. So then we go back to our public and private, um, locations and safety information that goes back to our stranger information, who can touch you and who can't touch you. So there's common themes, I think, regardless of how we feel about the sexuality, and um, that I think are important. Now, another time, um, the same person, um, the male did find out where she worked. Um, I'm sorry, where she lived. And that male showed up and she, um, they had been texting and um, at that point, Skyping, <laughs> Zoom wasn't even a thing back then at this point, um, and felt like they knew each other really well. But when this person showed up, um, he very quickly started to try to touch her body. And one thing he did was put his arm around her shoulders and she put her head on his shoulder and then he rubbed her back and then he put his hand on her butt all in front of some people because the social nuances of public versus private weren't happening at that moment. But I was grateful because I could monitor the situation. Um, and then they started to kiss. So when this situation ended um, and her dad was full of scotch in another room, <laughs> we talked and um, this person in, um, that, in my life um, asked me why he touched her butt. He thought that was really, she thought that was really odd and didn't understand why anyone would touch anyone's butt. And I had to share with her that he was probably testing to see if you let him touch, he let if you let him touch his butt, then he would then next move to the front where your vagina is. 
and she said to me, well, why didn't he just do that? <laughs> and I said, I am uh, because he was testing the waters and I'm glad he did it. Did you want him to touch your vagina? And she said, no, I didn't really like him touching me. I don't like people touching me. So, um, this person that I'm speaking of has now, and this was 10 years ago, uh, maybe nine years ago, nine years later decided that she is non-binary but actually prefers not to have sexual relations at this point, just to have lots of um, mutual relationships that don't involve sex at this time. Um, and might like to have some surgery to remove her breasts because she doesn't understand them and like them. Um, and at this point is sort of there in where she's at, which um, is fine. So I, I share all of this because I just think we need to start talking about it. Um, and as ABA practitioners, I'll end with this. Um, when I worked at UCI in the autism center, the ATN site, I used to work in the diagnostic side with the um, pediatricians and neurologists and the social worker. I did it for five years and I loved it. I loved it. It's still a wonderful place. Um, but I was surprised at how many parents came in wanting help with not only puberty, but mostly puberty, the physical aspects of how it related to um, masturbation, whether it was to completion or not. And I'd hear over and over ABA practitioners saying it wasn't ethical for do that. And unless I'm missing something, I don't understand that. I think it is our ethical obligation to, um, as, as, as um, Simon Baron Cohen said, to understand how challenging this is um, and how confusing this is for our population and the parents. And that while we certainly may not be the ones teaching the actual active masturbation, but we are able to task analyze it. <laughs> That's a word I made up and discuss antecedent strategies and possibly consequent strategies and help support our parents in that way. So one that sticks out of my mind and will forever stick out of my mind was um, a 17 year old male um, with um, IDD, and IDD and autism was his diagnosis. And he seemed to particularly enjoy young girls feet. He, when he saw a little girl and looked at her feet, particularly barefoot, but sometimes with shoes, he would start touching himself immediately. And it was causing lots of stress for this family. Um, he would do it anywhere. And the ABA company at the time, despite my call to them um, and urging, would not address this as any part of their treatment plan. And in my mind, this feels to me like a pro-social behavior that we certainly can use antecedent strategies. And in my mind, for this, it would be social stories. Um, the mom wanted him to stop doing it all together. I don't know. I mean, that would involve, you know, decreasing a, 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 decreasing a response, which would involve technically maybe a punishing procedure, which is fine. Um, in my mind, it warranted an initial, maybe a shaping procedure that he could be allowed to express those feelings, but it was the where and the how he went about it. And I just feel like that's okay. And parents listening, I urge you to share this if you have ABA practitioners saying, no, that's not in their, um, 
not, it, they can't address those things due to ethics because I think we can. And ABA practitioners, I think if we look at these just like we do any other pro-social skill we're trying to teach and help a, uh, a child or adult acquire, we don't have to be the ones doing it, but we can be the ones guiding it. Um, and so we know there are some experts out there on this more than I am, although I've been deep in this topic for a month. Um, any work by Dr. Peter Gerhard, I know um, he is like, to me, the God and the guru about the different types of sexuality. I've learned a lot from him. I've learned a lot from the adults in my practice um, over the years. Um, and then there's also a couple of sex ABA companies popping up. I found one in St. Louis, Missouri recently, and I'm going to reach out to him and maybe I'll get him on our, our podcast. I'm also trying to get Dr. Gerhardt on the podcast to dive a little bit deeper into this, but I thank you for indulging me with this. Um, Jen will be back. We're going to talk to another parent about her experiences with um, puberty and sexuality and if any of you are still out there listening to my podcast and have other ideas, send them my way. I appreciate it. Have a great day.